by their fruits you shall know them. By, 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 by their fruits. fruits you shall know them welcome to buy their fruits my name's bryant and i'm here with my co-host jeremy jeremy how are you today brother i'm doing good man i'm doing good just striving striving every day trying to work third shift role and take care of a baby so we'll get through it so uh today we have uh jack allen on from uh conspiracy just coincidence how you doing jack hey dude i am honored to be here how about yourself Oh, man, it's a blessing to have you on, man. I love your podcast. Oh. I love what you do, man. Oh, yeah, don't, don't get teary-eyed on me, but <laughs> you, have a great, you have a great podcast. <laughs> oh, you're too kind, dude, too kind. Thank you. You guys, are, you guys if I ever am feeling down, I'm just going to call you guys up. Jeez. <laughs> so, so, Jack, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do, about your podcast, so people can reach you, you know? Yeah. So uh, you can follow me at Kojak Podcast. That's it's pretty uniform. YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And basically, I'm not like some people are amazing thinkers, dude. Like they can see a situation and they can uh, like analyze or guess what's going to happen next, and they sound amazing. I do not have that skill. My skill is I, I can read. I like to read, so I read uh, interest conspiracy books or alternate history books, and basically just give you like a an outline that. You can instead of spending 16 hours reading, you can spend three hours and a few different shows uh, listening to the topic. So that that's really what I do in a in a nutshell. That's awesome, man. Yeah, the more knowledge we learn, it helps us kind of the, discern what's going on around us and why things are the way they are, you know. And uh, agreed, dude. History I'm, rhymes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm one of those guys too, man. I love to read, and uh, you know, I recently got into uh, to audiobooks. Nice. Which is cool because I can just, you know, chill at work and, and listen and gain yeah. knowledge all night long, which is pretty sweet. Dude, it's audio. I mean, all, any type of reading is so it's just like so rare. I I always say this, but like the conspiracy or truth or world or whatever. These are like the this is like the last bastion of like free thinking people because there is no mm -hmm. other else like these great. There's so many great minds in our little community, but they're the last ones. dude. There are no like real philosophers anymore everyone's just inundated with trash tv or sports or gambling or you know whatever and no one like thinks anymore and so this is truly like the last stand probably why they want to silence us so much the last group of people that think and discern information and and all those things well the yes. study replaced by the man cave right <laughs> i love it dude that's a good saying that could be on a shirt <laughs> no doubt. But it's true. You know, nobody has those even, you know, audiobooks are great, too. But I'm all for having a hard copy as well. You know, those are uh, going to be worth their weight in gold one day. Simple stuff like foraging. What can I eat out in the wild? I mean, these yeah. are real possibilities of things that will be much more valuable than a, another paper currency that everyone is so fond of. Agreed, dude. And I loved So uh, do you guys know who Jay Dyer is? He sounds familiar. He's a conspiracy guy, but he's like orth he's an Orthodox Christian. Some people hate him, but regardless, the guy has every book. Like, so he has a book uh, that was written by who's the guy that invented the the Schmolio poke? What was his name? Uh, Pasteur, I think, or one of those guys. Regardless, he wrote a book 
uh, this guy, the whoever the people are like yelling that are listening. I can't think of the. I think it's Pasteur, but he he or Jenner, one of those guys. They wrote a book though about how they want to take out like the weak of the world. And this is the guy that we attribute to, you know, saving the ninth, you know, that that thing that ha- another thing that happened like we just had two years ago in 1911 or whenever. And, and yep. his but his book on Amazon is literally eight hundred dollars because they don't oh, want you to read. So. And dude, it it's so disgust like this guy supposedly, you know, saved all these lives with this. But in his book, he talks about how he wants to call the herd. And on and on and on. So it is so valuable, my point, to have these books because I just bought one. Uh, it's called uh, No One Passed Away at Blandy Shook. And that book is banned everywhere. Like you can't find it's kicked off Amazon, totally, all these yeah. things. So they're they're valuable to have these things. That's that was my point. I bet that one now more than ever, even. Yes. Yeah. All the trial stuff going on. And I was going to say, I think I think Alex Jones could have used that book. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely could have, dude. Yeah, he definitely could have. Before we get too deep into all the different topics you cover on your show and how that kind of intersects with us here at Buy Their Fruits. We recently did an episode with Monty Mansfield. And uh, he has a similar past to, to you and I, Jack. And so I just wanted to know, could we tap into your testimony just a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, dude. I, whatever you want. Do you, did you? Is there a follow-up question or do you just want me to to come? I didn't know. No, man. I just, I've kind of listened to your show for a while. I think I told you I initially found it through William Ramsey. And so I dug into the backlog after the Ramsey episode and <laughs> I really enjoy it, of course. But what's been really cool is just kind of watching your transformation as it took place, you know, to yeah. kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to give away too much of your testimony, but oh. it's like fresh on the streets. Right. And so you're diving into books and trying to absorb some knowledge. And, and, you know, it's interesting, the paths that we take and we end up making friends and then we share interests with them. But then at some point it's like God speaks to us directly in a voice mm. that only we would recognize. And it really starts to shift our path. And I kind of watched that, or I should say heard that take place uh, with you. And so uh, I just wanted to give the listeners just a little background, you know, of uh, how you ended up with a show and what you're doing yeah. now. Yeah. So for 10 years, I was smoking crack and shooting dope. And before that, I saw Zeitgeist. And I loved Zeitgeist. I, I like conspiracies then. And at that time, that actually pushed me away from God. If you guys, I'm sure you've seen the documentary. It does a good job. It's Jordan uh, Maxwell. He's a Freemason. So it does exactly what his goal was to bring you away. But then I, I used drugs. So I still paid attention to conspiracy, but not that much. And then when I got clean, I just started reading in my my friend. I kept saying like, man, I'd love to do a podcast, but I need to learn more because I don't know enough. And my friend was like, just do it, dude. Who cares? So I, I started, uh, I guess, like three years ago. And 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 that's how we're now. Now we're here. Now we're here. Bro. Well, dude, Zeitgeist is a huge part of Jeremy's testimony. I'm sure he's going to do that. Let me hear it. You want to hear it? All right. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, I would think I was 19 years old when uh, when that came out. And the first time I watched it, man, I was I was so engulfed because it's like a, it's a truth or documentary. But. In reality, it's like there's 99% truth and that 1% poison, basically, right? So the first 10 minutes, I and my background, man, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't was not raised in a Christian home. Um, but after my father died when I was eight years old, I was on. Uh, it, it spawned something in me to seek the 
seek the truth and that I knew that there had to be more to life than this. And uh, so from eight years old onwards, I went down all these different paths and, um, you know, got into conspiracies very early. So I've been doing this since I was like 12, man. Wow. Yeah. And that that movie was like one of those paradigm changers for me. And I was trying to show everybody, man. I showed a bunch of people that documentary, you know. And um, but about a week later or so. Uh, I, I was talking to this kid on Facebook because at that time, man, it was like I was trying to wake people up to the new world order and I this and that, it. but yes. nobody wanted to listen, man. It yeah. was so frustrating. You know what I mean? And it was like, oh, and uh, but I met this one kid on Facebook and uh, we became friends and I didn't know he was a Christian at the time. And uh, he was into documentaries and, and a lot of things that I was into. Well, find, come to find out this kid lived like 20 minutes away from me, maybe. And no I was like, oh, word. Way. Yeah, so I invited him over, and uh, I asked him if he wanted to watch Zeitgeist, and he was like, yeah, sure. Uh, he's like, but afterwards, you got to watch a documentary that I want to show you. And I was like, that's totally fine, man. That's what we do here, because that's, like, all we did, right? It was smoke weed and watch documentaries yeah. at that yeah. time. And, uh, yeah, so I show him this documentary, and this first 10 minutes of it, right, it just takes – all this time out to say that Jesus Christ is really the sun in the sky and the 12 apostles of the 12 constellations yep. and all this and that. And if you're biblically illiterate, it makes sense. It's almost yes. like you don't actually know the science or anything behind evolution, but because you're being taught that and your brain's just connecting like, oh, that makes sense, you, you tend to believe it, right? And then you propagate it. And so... That's kind of what that documentary did for me. But after I had watched it, um, he showed me this documentary. And shout out to Gon Shimura from Face Like the Sun. Um, Mm. It was this documentary called Age of Deceit, Fallen Angels of the New World Order. And this was all God, bro. Like, this is – I just showed him Zeitgeist. He had no idea. He's never seen it before, never heard about it, right? So we watched this other documentary called Age of Deceit, and we get into it. And then all of a sudden it brings up Zeitgeist and its claims about Christianity. So this this Age of Deceit documentary is like Zeitgeist and uh, exposes the New World Order, fallen angels, uh, aliens, the New Age movement, all that stuff from a biblical perspective. Okay. Damn. And so it brings up Zeitgeist and totally just trashes on the claims that Zeitgeist had made. Like God says, do not worship the sun, the moon, the stars, right? Uh-huh. But Zeitgeist says that's what we're doing, but God himself says that you, that is forbidden. Ooh. You know, so it made yeah. me think, like, logically, okay, if this is the word of God, don't worship his creation over the creator. So right. logically in my head, I, I came to the conclusion that obviously this Zeitgeist documentary was making false claims off of something they have they don't really actually understand because they've probably never actually read the Bible, right? Yeah. And yeah, so at the end of this documentary, it, it like breaks down Zeitgeist and all this other stuff that I had been to been into all my life from the New Age movement to a whole bunch of different stuff, the occult, and breaks all the things that I have learned in my life and all the different paths that I went down and exposed them from a biblical perspective. And at the end of that documentary, it preached the gospel. And right then and there, my heart, dude, just like that. It was supernatural, man. Like my heart wow. bore witness that Jesus Christ was the truth. And this is like the last missing piece to all the things that I've been searching for, the truth. That's all I cared about. And he was like the missing piece. Nothing, none of this stuff that we research, man, makes any sense to why they're doing it, what they're doing. 
and their, you know, all their agendas and, and their main goals makes no sense without the biblical perspective. Totally agree. Yeah, so Zeitgeist like, was a huge part of mine. Yeah, man, it was wild. I'll never yeah. forget that night. My brother and I have a twin, and we got we got saved that night in my bedroom. We just wow. dropped to our knees and just started bawling our eyes out. That's and, amazing, dude. It's giving me chills. That's such a good story. Oh, wow, yeah. that's so powerful. Thanks, man. And you know, Thanks. Jack, I had no idea about the Zeitgeist influence on your own there. Ah, so. Yeah. Well, dude, I, <laughs> that, Jor- cool. that Jordan Maxwell got like he, you know, because that was I feel like that's that was a lot of people's like first thing because it was I forget when it came out. But um, and I remember like like uh, Jeremy was saying, I like showed my mom it. I wanted to show everyone that. And it didn't take until like three years later, or, like now, you know, like three years ago when I realized, holy shit, like Jordan Maxwell is a charlatan. He's uh, all these things are lies. He's just, st- or, you know, he's fitting pieces that don't fit and so that's such a i'm gonna have to watch this age of deceit um yeah i'll send it to you bro yeah please do you have it you know what's funny too jack is you had mentioned uh you wanted to start a show but you kept saying no no i need more information i need more knowledge and your buddy's like just do it and that sounds like our conversation where i was like yeah but can we talk (laughs) about your faith and you're like yeah but i'm not very knowledgeable in the biblical narrative and i'm like just do it and so here we are you know because (laughs) I think you'd be surprised with, uh, you know, how much you actually do know and retain because a uh, lot of this stuff ends up etched and embedded. You know, if, just think about how they use pop culture and entertainment and stuff and subliminal, right? They're, ooh, it's always yeah. a mockery or uh, some kind of a copy of, of what God does. And that's what the enemy normally uses against us. He, he twists scripture, you know, he's not uh, omnipresent, right? So he tries mm. to find a workaround. So here we are with technology and, you know, imagine Batman, you know, looking at all those screens you know and that was before the nsa info came out you watch the batman uh dark knight right and he's looking at all the screens and they're using all the phones to like build this grid where they can see and Mm -hmm. hear everything Mm -hmm. all at once well that's the enemy's uh omnipresence right that's how they mimic and copy so it makes sense you know that uh that he would use those same tactics you know in, in every direction so that's kind of uh how we end up where we are right is they use those subliminals and they uh they just slowly kind of frog in the pot you know that's an awesome metaphor yeah they're like look look this way you know look what the left hand's doing like a magician and over here we're passing bills that strip away freedoms slowly you know we lose those we don't get them back you know we're really seeing that come to fruition now but so new climate bill. just imagine what God can do, you know, when you hear things, you know, when you interact with people that uh, are spirit filled and that do know him. Right. And the influence that, that can leave or the imprint that can leave on you. And I think that's what ultimately kind of guides us and drives us. If we learn to listen to him and have ears that can hear and eyes that can see. Right. We'll really start Beautiful. to see a lot of what he's trying to tell us. And a lot of times it's going to be associated with things that that speak to us or or like Jeremy's story, right? Like it's going to be mm-hmm. the documentary that was made to disprove the other one is the random one that your friend showed you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, ahead yes. of time, you know, we're going to watch this documentary, you know, and then he's like, okay, but we got to watch your other one. Well, lo and behold, one ties right into the other. That's, that's how these things have always worked for me. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think we should get into some, yeah. some deep stuff, some, some banker, Definitely. Rothschild, sacrifices 
it was a pretty interesting when I heard your your three part series, you know, on the Canaanite stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I know you quoted a book or two that you were basing some of that information, you know, off of. And uh, I think you even had mentioned I'm kind of trusting that they're doing good research here. <laughs> so we do see some of that enemy infiltration. You know, the serpent seed is like heavily laden Gnosticism stuff. And, and we've had conversations with people uh, in the past, you know, just since starting this show that that had some heavily influenced Gnosticism. And it makes its way around even in the secular circles now. But all this secret information and secret knowledge, like I know something you don't know, you know, type mm. of stuff. And that's that Gnostic belief system. And and we know from looking into lost history and a lot of that stuff is really it smells really sweet. Right. And it's seductive. And some of it can pull you in and lead you down some some weird rabbit trails. But yes. I was fascinated with a lot of the research that you had on the Canaanites that, you know, slash uh, Babylonians slash Venetians slash Venetians. And I'm like, this guy is really digging in. And so the affluence on banking. And I think I told you I have an interesting theory about like the Knights of Malta, right? On their shield, yes. they have that uh that red cross, that rosy cross, which is like Rosicrucians, which, you know, it's like the people that were obsessed with bloodlines all of a sudden are in charge of all the blood drives. And it's like this can't Ooh. be a coincidence. Right. You know, and so I think a lot of your own research into that kind of ties into some of my own stuff. And, you know, what better opportunity to to dig in with with you who's got all this stuff laying in front of you and uh, maybe work some questions in, you know, I think even I love it. Uh, yeah, I think we'll have some uh, a pretty awesome conversations. So, yeah, I have questions you for you, to too. So just yeah. so you know, well, let's do it. brother. <laughs> Ready with an answer, buddy. Do do you want me to 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 start uh, going in? Yeah, um, you know, like I said, I think a lot of the 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 Templar kind of banking and how the 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 Rothschilds kind of you know you were talking about their firstborn and we have some information you know of course the Passover event and and it's always kind of we're looking at mirror images a lot of times and so what the enemy kind of is saying you know this is what it is you can almost see the exact opposite in the Word of God so. Uh, I think it'll be really cool to see how that all ties together. I love it, dude. Love it. You're getting me pumped. I absolutely, man. <laughs> so yeah, Jeremy, did you have a spot you wanted to jump in at? I know you haven't heard the whole three part, but uh, I think you you're versed enough with all of it to know a good uh, leaping platform at least, right? Yeah. Um, I think maybe where we should start is I know it's a, I think it's part of you said it was part of a uh, part two, right? When we get into the uh, the Rothschilds, I think that they're such yeah. a relevant name. Maybe we should start start from that point. Like, uh, what do the Rothschilds have to do with the banking system, and what are their ties to the Canaanite? Yeah, yeah, we can. You're, I'm. I feel like I'm about to answer an essay question. You guys are too knowledgeable, <laughs> but um, well, I mean, we can. You know, so the Roth, the Rothschilds, or the the our kids. So I first off, people, I never knew this until I don't know, like a, uh, one of the books I read, but all of these German banked banking families, many of them come from Venice or Venetian, uh, maybe, yeah, Venice. So like they just changed their names when they moved. So that would blew my mind that, you know, at that time we didn't have social security numbers. You could just change your names, but that's why they all ended up then in Frankfurt because they were there dominating the trade and uh, the Venetians, they dominated trade because they were like this middleman between Asia and Europe. And so all they did, they didn't produce anything. They weren't out there farming or, or they didn't have, you know, a, a, a special plant that grew where they lived. All they did was just tax the top. You know, if you came through them, you would get taxed 
and they became this huge banking area and they they just that's all they did was just like take skimming off the top charging you to use them and so you can see how that's and then so it makes sense that these guys eventually became the Rothschilds and the the shifts and all these power families because they were their family for thousands of years or generations was doing the same thing in 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 their Venetia and this yeah yeah so that's I think that's basically what that so that's how they connect is because this Canaanite religion that started in Babylon like you alluded to earlier they changed their name from uh, the the Canaanites to uh, the Phoenicians and that was the, the this powerful trading empire and then the Venetians and so all these people they've just continued their 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 genes or whatever and just have just like these people were changing their last names their identification changed as a group as well i hope that, that answers the, the just question. a coincidence that all their firstborn are, are no longer with us right yeah <laughs> well dude so i read this this book um or i'm still where it's i'm bad at reading paper books but it's called hitler was a british agent and so it's a hard book to find and it's so so but the he goes into the the rothschild and I mean, this family dude was so disgusting. This is before their banking empire and they're not even the richest people in Germany. So people always think like they've been powerful ever. They're actually like the eighth richest out of 10, but they would do, there was this oh, wow. thing called a uh, prima noctra, prima noctra back in the day where if you were a peasant, you couldn't get, you could get, you'd have to go to your Duke or whatever, who were the Rothschilds and you'd have to ask them, can I marry this girl? And they would say, yes, but you're too dumb to, to take her virginity. So we have to take it for you. And so the Rothschilds were a part of this. They would sleep with these recently married women. And they also did horrible. They would dress up on uh, occult significant days. They would climb into like their their maid's window or whatever. And they would wear these masks and rape them. And what they would they did that is the more fear they could generate the more like powerful and occult spell it was and that's actually how you got hitler eventually because they was during one of these like wallenschprocht or whatever the holiday is they snuck in because his uh mother was a maid at the rothschild mansion they sneak in her window they they rape her and that's how you get you get Adolf. so these people are just so beyond sick um yeah like just disgusting horrible things that you can't even imagine yeah, sure. do you know anything Thing about the uh like have you ever heard of the name uh jacob frank i as like the i don't think i've heard that name specifically no yeah so this oh a lot of oh i'm DC, sorry yes but can go yes uh sabatine frankis i knew i knew something but go yes tell yeah, everybody because that's so fascinating yeah it's it's pretty insane they're um like a heretical sabbatian jewish religion basically that or a movement um you know, started in the 18th and 19th century, and uh, basically it's about this this group of religious nuts who followed a false messiah, but instead of following the Jewish, you know, how Jew Judaism has like these cultural and norms and laws, trying to like right. create this sense of moral order, but uh, Frankenism basically goes and twists it all and says, you know, if the more that we can sin we will be able to like every transgression we should make every uh you know basically promote every transgression that way christ has to return and basically this is all in a nutshell obviously yeah. and basically yeah. when christ returns we'll fight him and we'll win that's basically what 
their their whole belief is about and it's insane because that reminds me of like all these secret societies that do promote all this sin you know what i mean and i don't know if the rothschilds are actually tied to them at all i don't know if you may know that i mean i would suspect but yeah do i have proof right. that they're part of it no so, Jack, what about your uh, weren't, weren't you talking about they have their own like list of anti-commandments or I, I don't know how yeah, you would well, heard that. Yeah, just like I mean, so that would that that doing the, the like how to force God's hand by like Jacob Frank would sleep with his daughter. I uh, like they would do all these horrible things. And just so like people, it's called a Sabbatean Frankism. So they combine the first guy was Zebi, Ze, Sabbatai, Zevi. But this 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 group, this like disgusting horrible group it grew to a million people at one point yeah. so that's a huge popular and in these you know like you said i mean it's zevi was like 1650s and frank i think was like 100 years after that but still a million people around the world joined this frank and zevi and then doing these horrible things like that's terrifying dude to think and they, it wasn't just like they, the Jewish religion. They, they hid in the Sufi Muslims. They had in, they had it in Christianity in certain sects. I mean, it was a powerful group, and they had powerful players. And I, I can't remember. So do you know um, who? I read the Sabbatean Frank book by Robert Seffer, and he's a little nutty, but he, I think he does tie the R kids into them somehow. But all those banking families, they have ties to the Sabbatean Frankism. It is like a disgusting. It's a, it's crazy. Like a million people in the 1700s is a lot of people. So they ran a recruiting agency basically for like <laughs> anyone that falls in that category. You know, they will delight in their sin. You know, because yeah. uh, you know, there's many, many times talked about those. You know, boasting in their sins. You know, bragging about the terrible things they've done. So let's create a group where we can all swap stories. You know, uh, anybody that's ever done any time in jail, there's always that group of the darker guys that sit and they 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 just want to tell their stories whether it's uh mm -hmm. you know the drug users they want to sit and tell their war stories and you know take turns going poop and uh, every time they talk about it you know and then uh but seriously you know and so I, that's what it sounds like is they went around recruiting just the darkest of the dark right and right uh, that's and, crazy that it grew to those numbers and it's like most people probably would be like well how could you join a group that's encouraging you to sleep with your daughter, commit incest or rape or drinking blood. But these be just like a, a fraternity or, or wherever you, they don't start you out doing that. They tell you these, and you could see it even like repeating today. So you tell people, Oh, you're actually, you're not free. You're not living a, you know, the society's telling you to, you're not living a, or they're forcing you to live this purit puritanical life. No, you should do what you want. That's, that's what God wants you, you to do. Well. And all, and you can see how it attracts people who, maybe they're struggling or maybe they just want to, you know, do carnal things that feel good. And you, that's how they grew this group for anybody that would be thinking like, Oh, how, why would you just join? Like you have to be totally evil to do this, but it doesn't start out. Like they're not saying, welcome now go sleep with your daughter in front of me. You know, that's right. not how no, these things work. They are appealing to, to the flesh of man. Right. So yes. um, that that's all they do is they say, it's pretty much do what thou wilt shall be the whole law. It definitely ties into, uh, some Aleister Crowley stuff, but they believed in um, essentially salvation through sin, like redemption through sin is what they believe. They they always mix that. They they believe that you could uh, 
bring out that holiness by dabbling in the unholy. It's very right, like a yin yang, right? There's a little bit of evil in every good, and there's a little bit of good in every evil. And you know, I was exposed to a lot of that by my aunt. You know, she showed me real early on, you know, just how uh, a lot of these occult uh, influences are just in everything. Pop culture. I watched wrestling, the NWO, Hulk Hogan. I had a shirt, this New World Order, you know, all these. (laughs) And so, you know, again, doing time in in jail, right? And I I meet with people that, um, you know, they're gang affiliated, right? And so I Mm -hmm. see a lot of the symbology that they use. And so in the South, it was real popular, GD, you know, like gangster disciples, and so okay. they translated that gematria, right, seven, four, because it's the seventh letter and the fourth letter. And and their their symbology is pitchforks and six point stars. And they call themselves folks, you know, F-O-L-K-S. And they say it's followers of Lord King Solomon. But they, the Ooh. way that you move up is you gain literature and they call it knowledge. And, and the higher you move in the ranks, the more knowledge you're allowed to have. And generally, those are questions that you can ask other brothers, you know, how many blocks are in a pyramid. You know, it's things of that nature and so uh but one time we went to a barn party and so we walk in and uh, in this barn you know we're having a a bonfire and on the walls there's all these pitchforks and six point stars and in the middle it says f-o-l-k-s but it said followers of lord king satan and it's like the higher that they move in the ranks they find out that s isn't for solomon it's for satan right they gradually Yeah, just like Freemasonry. I know so many Masons, right, that are are entry level, and they think that it's a Christian group, right? They're like, no, we're allowed to bring uh, God and Jesus Christ, but you get higher in those levels, and you realize that, you know, I think, uh, Jack, you were talking that that the name Jesus Christ was not allowed to be uttered, and was that, um, oh gosh, what's the main, Albert Pike, right? Wasn't that Mm. in his writings? Uh, I'm messing this all up. I know. No, no, that's Yeah, morals and dogma, I believe. Yeah. He also wanted to flat out say in his uh, in Freemasonry how they are worshiping uh, Lucifer. I think they were he was arguing with someone else whether Lucifer or Satan, and I think they they eventually went with Lucifer or Albert Pike did. But yeah, yeah being the exactly. true light. Yeah, dude. Also, uh, Jeremy, you said redemption through sin. That's the name of the book. Did you know that? The, the I had no idea. Book? Oh my God! It's called Redemption Through Sin, 1666. So some, if you guys are interested in the Sabbateans, def, it's a short book, probably like 150 pages. You should, you should read it. It's very good. That sounds interesting, man. I'll probably dabble into that a little bit. Just, I, I love studying the enemy so much, man. That's why we do part of what we do, right? We, we yeah. gain that information so that we can expose that information to others so that they may see, you know, and. I do it so much because it's part of the journey of how I came to Christ, you know, like realizing these things, connecting all the dots led me to believe in a creator and, you know, and Satan and realizing, hey, man, I got to I got to pick a side. Yes. You know, I believe in both of them. So I need to pick a side. Have you guys do you guys, I'm sure you guys know who Nick Hinton is, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think. I've been talking uh, he's to got, him a little bit on the side. I've been watching his conversion to yeah, Christ as well. So that's what I was gonna. So he's like a new age guy's brilliant. He wrote two books. Brilliant young kid, and he he's big. He's like I would have called him a new ager. You know, he's big in energies and stuff like that. And then one day he was on my friend Bob's show, and he said something that like that made me so happy and like and really made sense. He said how 
I used to not believe in Jesus and the Bible, but after studying this and, and going down this road or journey, you find out that the other side, they believe in it and they just believe the opposite. So if they believe they're doing all these crazy things, rituals and spells and on and on and on, clearly there's some validity to the Bible because they believe the opposite and they're trying to win through the opposite way. So I just, when he said that, that was like a very, I like that point because I think a lot of, there is like a weird divide in the, the truth community of people who are like anti-Christian or anti-Bible and Jesus, they don't believe in that. And my response is always, well, they, the, op, the, the enemy believes in it. So why don't you, you know, if you're, you're struggling right. with that, with grasping that. Just going to say, I've, I've spoke with Nick Hinton a few times and I, I believe we're going to have him on after he's nice. finished his new book. And so, yeah, I've been kind of watching that conversion as well. And there's been a few in that, you know, quote unquote, truth or community that have recently shared similar stories. Right. That I think I want to say that maybe Nick is the original uh, person to quote on this. But it was if you stare into the abyss long enough, it stares back into you like you spend so much time absorbing all these dark topics, even if you're approaching it from a positive side to expose these things to the light. They can reel you in, they can suck you in, or they can weigh heavy on your heart. You know, they they instill that hopelessness and and whatnot. So yeah, it's uh, I've I've seen a few of those transitions. Actually, I I found John Brisson again through your show. <laughs> I had heard him years ago, yeah. and uh, you know, I I just had kind of got away from listening for a while. But then I heard him on your show, and he's like preaching the Word of God straight from the Word of God, and like breaking it down into stuff yeah. that made sense and was digestible. And I'm like, hey. I remember that guy. Let me talk to him about this conversion. And so when we had him on, we had an amazing conversation just about how that looked for him, how he stepped away from Gnosticism into biblical Christianity and how yeah. it didn't want to let its uh, talons out of him. You know what I mean? Hmm, dude. So what are your I know where this is going to be off topic. What are your guys's takes on Tartaria? I mean, that's exploding in popularity. I'm sure all of us know that. What is your guys' opinions? Like, what do you believe? Because that's something that I I go back and forth on, like this civilization that was you, you, all the whole story. What do you guys think about it? Jeremy, you want to take it, brother? I, I, I spent some time looking at Tartaria for sure. And I definitely believe that uh, some of our technology we have today is not as new as we think it is, right? That there may have been. But I don't know if... Uh, you know, one that that covered the whole globe and that's what it was named. And, you know, I, I don't know, but I'm fascinated by the World's Fair kind of exposition stuff, you know, how that was used yeah. uh, to kind of recreate history, kind of like today. You don't really need a DeLorean to go back and change <sighs> the past, right? You just change the search results on Google and on Wikipedia, and that becomes like the new quote unquote truth, right? But if you yeah. find hope in you know, capital T, truth, the the hope in Christ, right? And you start to develop eyes that can see if the scales are removed, right? And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot sometimes for each of us to to reach that point. But it's like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. You start to see what everything is everywhere you look. And it's, I think a lot of this Canaanite, Babylonian kind of, I mean, that influence is still heavy today, just like Crowley's influence is still heavy on mm. pop culture. You've got Jay-Z wearing do as thou wilt shirts and, you know, whatnot. And, uh, but I think mm. a lot of these old practices, you know, I heard somebody say one time, like, okay, so it's widely accepted that people used to sacrifice their children to the gods, but they just quit doing that, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
you know <laughs> and it's like seriously if you think about it they just quit doing it so openly so yeah there's that aspect as well jeremy what's your thoughts on the tartaria brother we've talked briefly about it right yeah a little bit um to be honest with you i'm not so familiar with the whole concept i mean i get that they believe in this ancient civilization does it tie into the hollow earth I don't know. If, no, I think it more ties to usually flat earth, I would think. I think I usually okay. would associate those two together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I don't really know too, too much about it. I'm more familiar with like flat earth. I mean, well, I'm pretty familiar with the flat earth and stuff like that, which is surprising that they connect. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't really know too much about it. So I just because I just bring it up because you guys are so knowledgeable christian christian bible wise and everything and so that's a tough i it's tough to i think to mesh these two together because they talk about this golden age in tartaria where a global civilization ruled and it was peaceful and technology and natural and stuff and i feel like it ties close to like an atlantis like story and i just i don't there's something that it's and I know that's not our the topic we wanted to focus on but i just wanted your guys's take on what you believed in that in that kind of uh thinking do you know what i mean i yeah i house it in my mind in the same place i do the atlantis right so i think okay. a lot of those narratives are kind of used and recycled and renamed and they could all be just as old as one another but still used for the same purpose right yes and yes. so uh and not to say that there's not going to be some some truth in there that's normally how that like jeremy has mentioned with the zeitgeist right there's a lot of truth mixed in but they just slowly introduce these other you know deceptive concepts in there with it as well so and i think i, I see a lot of that you know uh not to name any names but the one of the main uh big tartaria researchers uh, that's out there right we we were gonna have him on we we did have him on it it was a crazy conversation we didn't <laughs> end up publishing it right and uh we ended up cutting it short because it got really weird really fast and it, just wasn't, it wasn't fruitful right and so it would have benefited no one for us to to put it out at all and uh, uh -huh. but it's interesting how heavily that particular person was into Tartaria and then how heavily influenced they were by Gnosticism, which yes, yes back exactly. in some of your Canaanite research, Jack, where you were talking about, they, you know, they view the serpent was the hero of the story. Right. 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 Yeah. No, that's a, that's the connection I usually make is like that Gnostic. It's like goes, ends up back in new age thinking like if we all are on the same wavelength or whatever, this will all work. So that's I so I think we feel pretty similar about about it. That fire of the gods that was given to man, right? It was that knowledge from the serpent, right? right? They, they was gifted to them, quote unquote. Yeah. I will say though, I do believe that you know from a biblical perspective that there were definitely advanced ancient, like far more advanced ancient uh, civilizations that we want to give credit to today in the in the official narrative of how things go. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. There are some structures out there, and we can. We we know that we can't even recreate half of those with the modern technology we have today. So how did they do it? Right. You know, there, right. there's so much evidence for an ancient, um, very sophisticated and intelligent civilization, and it seems to be all over the world. I'm, this is just my theory, but like I believe a lot. Like maybe Babylon at the time, and that where before the the languages got confused, you know, got confused all those languages that they were extremely advanced and after everybody got tongue-tied 
and and their languages got confused that they spread out across the world and they still had the knowledge of the pre-flood era mm-hmm. and they set up their own civilizations and cultures with their own language and dialect i like that theory dude because babylon like to put this perfect like pull us but that you know like the tower of babel nimrod that's that would you know if you're building a huge building or whatever in those days clearly you had some much more advanced than what I, you would and a regular person would think if i said pre-jesus times they would you know they would think uh Amen. nothing le- of that extent yeah you know even god was con- concerned he said right. if they reach their great goal point. you know like they they will be able to do anything great point so obviously it we have this picture in our head of just mud brick spiral tall building you know what i mean but like mm-hmm. it was so much more sophisticated than that had to be great point. oh it could have been a it could have been the first large hadron collider who knows i was gonna say cern <laughs> could have been the first one <laughs> but no, that's uh, i've always wondered if that uh language that was confused wasn't uh more telepathic you know or something right? you know that that's kind of you know what it's kind of a confusing way to break it down right but we even see evidence of a lot of people in a lot of different areas of the world kind of describing the same person. The only difference is the name, right? What would explain that pretty simply would be a, a confusion of the languages all one and done. And these people spread out telling the same story, but in a different tongue. Great, and then we dude. see like the, uh, we see the event at Pentecost, right? Where they're, uh, everyone heard uh, the sermon in their own language, right? And a lot of times people paint that picture as, you know, the the disciples or the apostles were standing up there, you know, each one speaking a different language that happened to be somebody else was standing there, spoke that language, but it, it actually says that they all heard it in their own tongue. So it was right. like some kind of live mm. translation, you know? And so then you see again, the mimicry and the mockery, and we look at things like Rosetta Stone and look at how we can use Facebook. And I can speak to anyone in any language by typing what I want to say and then sending it to them and That's they can write, true. you know, so it's not exactly real time yet, but I mean, think metaverse, right? It's, we're not yeah. far out from those being real life. You know, we, I could speak to a group of people in the metaverse and each one hear it in their language. Boom. We're like almost back Dude. maybe to a version oh, of that again. Amazing. That's a, both of you guys killed it with that. That was, that was beautifully well put out. I love it. I, that was awesome. I wanted also, and just to kind of like pull back to Kane. So what I found fat, so anybody, if they want to check out the book, it's by Eustace Mullins. Eustace is an OG. He's he's dead and long gone, but he he was the one that I got all the Canaanite info from pretty much. But what blew my mind was like this, how so in the Zohar and these other Tal, like Talmudic ancient texts, they talk about how these they they worship these demons in a hierarchy. And so in the in the the desert, when the they're wandering the desert, they start worshiping these demons again or Star Wars. And they have like this whole system like this guy's above this guy. You worship this guy to do this and all this debauchery that was going on in the desert, these child sacrifices, these rituals and stuff like that. But I just found it so fascinating that even in these ancient texts, they talk about like as fact that these demons have exists with like Beelzebub and Satan as the, the, you know, the top dog or whatever. But that just really blew my mind that there's, it's like this whole, like a family tree almost of demons that have been for thousands of years. They've talked about them. 
I just, I, I'm, I just, it fascinated me. No, for sure. Jeremy, is there a tie-in, uh, kind of, you know, that mirrored image? Are we looking at maybe their version of the divine council? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I was thinking because, you know, the Bible specifically states that in Genesis 6 that, uh, the B'nai Elohim, the, the sons of God, the angels, right, came down and made it with the, the women of mankind and bore, bore giants, right? And the book of Enoch specifically, uh, verse Enoch talks about how what demons are is they're separate from angels, right? So demons are the departed spirits of the dead Nephilim. And the God cursed them to remain on the earth because they're earth born, right? So uh, God allowed 10% of all the demons or all the spirits, right, which we would call demons because they're from the Nephilim, they, he allowed 10% of them to remain on the earth, right? And mm. so mankind is kind of tormented by these demons, right? And there's many reasons that God would allow this. But, um, you know, we look at in the Bible that their fathers, so the demons' fathers, right, are the fallen angels. And God at one point put 70 angels over the 70 nations at the time to be the judges, right? So that was kind of like our court system, you know what I mean? How we have a central government and then we have um, each state has their own Supreme Court type thing. You know, that might be a bad analogy, but uh, each each nation had an angel over them that was supposed supposed to be there for order and report and to report back to God. But all these angels, they rebelled against God. Okay. So, but there are demons on the earth that work in like a hierarchy with their fathers. How would you say they're like the boots on the ground, mm. right? For the dark, for the kingdom of darkness. I believe still today that there are angels that are appointed over these nations. Like the United States has some sort of principality, and you know I couldn't tell you which one it is, but I'm guessing it's a serpent because of all the serpent symbolism that happens to infect the United States and in every single way, basically. And uh, I know that even if it was just if it was serpent, right? There's a class of angel called the seraphim, and the seraphim were these serpentine-like angels. So you know I couldn't pinpoint it to which angel it really is but i can tell you that there is an influence from one of these principalities over the united states and over these different nations around the world still today that's why i think that uh they're able to use a small select group and i say small could be three thousand or whatever but compared to the population of the earth being seven billion that they can use this small group of people to be able to uh control the world in mm. such a sophisticated way and with all these these webs and all these different organizations and you know what i mean like yeah statistically I, there's no way they could control seven billion people or have built what they have built in this babylonian system that we have going on without the help of outside influence agree. like higher well, influence well, it's just kind of going on there's so hard it stresses how like you can create demons by doing these weird sexual sex rituals and enchanting and stuff like that. And so I think that's so people, again, that struggle believing that 3000 or whatever people control this. But that's why they're so important in that bloodline, because I think they're trying to continue that like demon seed that they have that they've created thousands of years ago within their their bloodlines. Well, and I think we see that, too, if we look at, I mean, we have so many examples of, you know, child abuse. You know, I won't call it the SRA name, you know, out loud. But, I mean, 
you know, what is the, what is the chance somebody holds those belief systems near and dear people are practicing these things, whether or not, you know, uh, me as a Bible believing Christian believes anything in the Zohar, they believe it. Yes. You know, it explains these things that otherwise are very unexplainable. It's just like when a a child goes missing, very rarely is it a white van that grabbed a random kid. It's like somebody close to them, right? Well, I think in that same sense, that works on multiple levels. And so, you know, it's always going to be something near and dear to you that is used to kind of lure. You know what I mean? It's something that there's something that knows your thoughts in a sense. You know, why do we even have to have the Holy Spirit? You know, this kind of conscious is because uh, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else who can know it. Right. But mm-hmm. then we get from Disney to follow your heart. That's what we're, they teach their children. Right. Dude, you know, isn't that so like, crazy. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then watch the Disney movies and it's always, you know, trauma, trauma, trauma. And then look at like MK Ultra. What are they using to, you know, trauma? And it's. Yeah. You know, there it's just Monsters Inc., right? Is a pretty good example yeah. of exactly what you're saying. It's like the yeah. the stream meter. How much fear can we instill? Because that keeps us running. That that is the source of of their power. You know, I often wonder how many of the things that that we use today. You know, are we even supposed to have access to? You know, also Enoch one talks about those same angels teaching things like metallurgy, how to make mm-hmm. weapons and swords. The, the painting of the eyes and the art of seduction and the cutting of root and pharmacia. And yeah, like you said, Jeremy, right? So, I mean, all these things are, are heavily responsible for kind of the, the very lost generation that we see coming up. And now even, you know, there was tastes of it when I was a kid and I was pretty rebellious and rambunctious for no other <laughs> being rebellious and rambunctious at times, right? But now these children have so much available to them at their fingertips. You know, we had like the anarchist cookbook was like the craziest thing. Right. And now it's like, man, you can just type, I think it was, I don't remember what movie it was, but it's like, you're a Google, you're like two clicks away when you search something on Google from finding porn. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't really know how this ties in as well uh, to what I was saying, but it's you, you notice that like when we in this community start talking about certain things, uh, you notice pop culture imports or, uh, you know, instills something. So let's say like uh, we started talking about Vanguard and Black Rock. What's the newest Call of Duty? It's Vanguard. That way, when you Google Vanguard, your results are full of. Do you know what the new Captain America is called, Jack? That's called New World Order, right? Right. And but why? Because that's your search results now. The first ten thousand are going to be clips and reviews and trailers and where to view it, and you're going to have to go twelve pages deep to find some real information. Yeah, Mm. exactly. Mm. Dude, and that you mentioned like porn. I think that. The Canaanites, like how we were just saying, they were doing these huge orgies, all like these crazy ritual sex things, sex ritual sex magic. And that's why I think that porn has become such a a push because they're trying to break us down to accept these crazy, the, the amount like, you know, no one ever in the history of humans has had the access to sex and naked women and stuff before. And I think this is just a process to slowly break us down to return us because I, I, I didn't mean, but I'm sure you got, but just for people that don't. So the Babylonians, they're, 
they're practicing this Canaanite religion and they're out in the open. They're doing it. They have no issue. Nimrod's leading the, he's wears the clothes that were worn by Adam in the garden of Eve. He's unstoppable. And eventually there's different people say different people, but Eustace Mullins say Shem, uh, one of Noah's sons kills Nimrod. He beheads him and chops him up into like 13 pieces and he mails the pieces to all the temples that are practicing these sacrifice and orgies as a warning. Like, if you know, I'm going to come for you. And they, instead of going, instead of stopping and being afraid, they just went underground. And that's the mysteries that started the mystery school where they use these pieces as relics, kind of like the Catholic church does, but the opposite. And so I think the goal Man, is that, to bring this back out in the open. That sounds really Osiris myth to me. Oh, yes, say. it is. It is. Yes, it's, it's, the, it's same the same thing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I had not heard that prior to this. Uh, yeah, so. so that's what, and so Nimrod's story, it's like interchangeable with those, like just, I think Osiris's uh, wife was Isis and mm-hmm. Nimrod has the same like type of woman in his, in his story. So it's the same story just used, you know, just changed in small piece, small bits, but main. And doesn't that thing. tie into the like Epic of Gilgamesh as well? Yes. Yeah. You know, because we're we're hearing all these same stories. You know, how many cultures, you know, depict a dragon, you know, around the world. And if you get older encyclopedias like pre 1900, you know, dragons are listed as like a, a real thing. And then so you look at something like the Garden of Eden event. Right. And the serpent yeah. is banished to his belly. And it's like, wait, what what was he walking with before? I love that. I love you know? that. Yes. And so yes. he did kind of all these different things that start to make sense because I would say in the 1900s there was a little more truth readily available to people maybe not at their fingertips but it was also mm-hmm. a little more common knowledge and so more so in the 1800s and then the 1700s and then who knows you know there could be some some mini resets in between there 1776 yeah. is a really interesting year and uh, you know, moral of the story is uh, I think that we're kind of the truth just continuously gets diluted and diluted and diluted. And they use so much of the the entertainment and everything. And we kind of see it start to shape our world. And so then we're given ammunition to the manifestors. Right. Because they're like, hey, we've been saying this and now it's really happening. Right. And so it yeah. just feeds those in like the Mandela effect. So many examples of the Mandela effect, you know, one of the common ones I use is uh, Mark Hamill and uh, not Mark Hamill. uh, Anyway, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Right. They say, I am your father. Right. But everyone remembers the quote, Luke, I am your father. But if you watch Chris Farley and Tommy voice say, Luke, I am your father into the fan. It sticks in your head. And that's what you remember as the truth. Sally Fields, her speech was you like me right now. You like me. But if you watch The Mask with Jim Carrey, he's doing the little bit and he's like, you like me, you really like me. And people remember that more. And I would say that today's generation would remember that over the original. Most of them don't know who Sally Fields is, you know, and there's so many examples of those them using pop culture. And it's a super distraction because what better thing if we got a bunch of people that are talking about some stuff that we really don't want getting out. Let's get them to fight over if Curious George had a tail or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did he have a tail uh you know i want to say that i, almost I think heard, he does i'm looking yeah, it up as we talk from a tree upside down right on his tail but yeah it's widely accepted now that he has no tail and never did <laughs> but also you know it's widely accepted that the fruit of the loom had no cornucopia right you know right how hard is it to kind of go back and and make that be the case to where if you look it up your result says 
there never was a cornucopia, 90% of people are going to say, okay, there never was a cornucopia. Mm. 10% might do the research, use the Wayback Machine, find the original blueprint from the logo and see that there actually was one, you know, but yeah. then I remember drawing one in uh, for Thanksgiving, right? And so uh, I drew a bunch of fruit and a cornucopia. And so that image sticks in my mind as well. And so yeah. I think a lot of it, it we we don't always know what we remember, uh, you know, and we are easily swayed at times. So I think it's just very important to pray for that discernment, to to have eyes that can see, have the scales be removed, you know, maybe uh, put on the glasses like in They Live, you know, or, or the new <laughs> version of that, the, um, the Ryan Reynolds version with the glasses. Or, you know, we see all these things. They're always willing to tell us exactly what's going on. You know, they show us and it's like, are we agreeing to the terms like when we download a new app is our silence compliance are we saying okay i see it but i choose to do nothing therefore i accept it and so i think we need to be finding ways to not only drag this darkness into the light but be proactive right i mean we're given the great commission to go tell uh, everyone the good news the gospel of jesus christ in all four corners of the world so we definitely make that first and foremost the priority right but we need to be helping our neighbors i mean that was also you know, Christ uh, tells us, you know, I have two commandments for you. Love your neighbor uh, as yourself and and love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And, you know, I often quote uh, whatever things are good and whatever things are just and whatever things are pure and of good rapport. Right. We're told to think on those things, you know, so throughout our day, we should be having a positive effect on other people. And that translates differently to each of us. Not everybody has a podcast. You know, some people make music, some people, you know, there's so many different ways that we can just help and love our neighbor and that is doing so much for the world because just think even just two and a half years ago we were all much closer than we are now i mean they're literally just putting it where human interaction is limited and why would that be you know because we can't hug we can't help we can't you know it's the bible tells us that uh two people is better than one because if one falls down his brother can lift him up but not if we're all six feet apart or in our own sanctioned areas. Well, so this was, and I don't think this is a brilliant thought or anything, but I started like realizing that since like uh, the CIA started or whatever, it's been this slow process where they want to remove trust. So first they started with um, like communist or, or whatever. So now you don't know if who's a communist or you're, you're closing yourself off. And then they bring it closer with like serial killers. So it could be your neighbor and now you lose trust for your neighbors and your neighbors are stealing kids and all this stuff. And then this last two years was the move to split families. And that's where we're getting to is that families are falling apart because of stupid politics and stupid, you know, what the news says, what one news says compared to the other. And I think you're exactly right that it's that goal to eventually put you so alone that you have no one to turn to except the government or or, you know, a celebrity or, or what have you. So I definitely agree with what, what you're saying, that removing that, that from people. And, you know, it's like all the things that they're doing in the United States since probably, I don't know, I would say like the, off the top of my head from the 1950s to now is all this debauchery of mor moralism and, you know, just in general, the family values, just so many different aspects of society that has been slowly crumbling I can trace this back to Alice Bailey, who wrote the Ooh. 10 point plans for the New World Order. All these 10 plans, if you look it up, 
everything that's happening right now and that has been happening for the last 50 plus years, 75 years, is in that document. It's those 10 plans to just destroy the family, uh, promote uh, sexuality, use like make homosexuality legal and uh, divorce acceptable. It's like all these things. And when you get you go even further, that that all that stuff that they're doing is just rebelling against God, because if we can destroy the moral society, our society collapses. Not only that, it brings and breeds broken people and broken people are used as vessels for demons. That's beautiful. And they're building their own little army, man. That's basically what it is, in my opinion. I totally agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're hitting the nail on the head with some of that. So, Jack, I know we told you we'd only keep you an hour. We had a little uh, bit of a pre-show, so uh, we're a if, little past that. But if you, I we did. can absolutely end it, but if you have time, I'm, I'm good for like another 20 minutes, but totally oh, up please, to you, dude. Okay. I just didn't want to keep you any longer than no, I, uh, I had it. I always say that because you never know what you're going to get. You know, I love talking to you guys, so we can go absolutely. for a while. But, you know, sometimes it's kind of crazy. You're like, get me out of here. Well, we only had that one experience with that. And I told him I'd keep in an hour and about 40 minutes in. I said, we've kept you long enough, brother. Thanks for coming. You know, I really hate to say that because I feel like such a terrible host, man. But it was just one of those things that was corruption, you know, and it was a a very uh, popular, you know, type of influencer. And so I really didn't want to uh, contribute to to any of that at all. And I've even heard some of his more recent stuff and it's just getting darker and darker. And it's like, AI friendly and maybe it's not a bad thing and resets are good and you know all these things and so uh but with that being said and you you saying that you had a little bit more time to spare I did want to tap in kind of uh to your spiritual journey a little bit how did that you know I saw it from my side of the fence right where just lo and behold as you went on you know you're like well I'm starting to lean Christian and then at some (laughs) point you're like I identify as one now you know and yeah I guess I shouldn't say I identify as no I do yeah I uh I don't uh, I don't go by that Christian moniker I, I have for many years, but the uh, the book of Acts, you know, they were followers of the way. And so I really stick with that because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life, you know. And so I am a follower of the way. That's with a capital W. But Christian mm-hmm. was used as a derogatory term, you know, but that's OK. Sometimes it's, it's good to own those and take them back as well. I get that. But I'm just curious to from your side of the fence, you know, what did those little I always compare it to like if you plant a tree outside, right, in your front yard, and you you sit on your porch every morning and have coffee, you're never going to see the tree grow, right? But if you take pictures every day and flip through them, you're going to see the tree grow. But it's because it's these little small changes that really influence, you know, our path. And so I let God's word be a, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And I try to use it as the lens that I view the world through, you know, but not everybody lives like that. I was blessed to be born a Baptist. You know, I was born into the church. I, You know, yeah. I had parents that uh, really uh, held spirituality and my faith and helped me build a foundation. And that was important and uh, shaped and molded who I am today. But I strayed super far away from that. Right. Right. Uh, so I was just curious, you know, did, did you ever notice those little changes take place or did you wake up well, one day and said, I love you back? Jesus. <laughs> well, dude, see, and again, this just leads like like zeitgeist and school. They you know, you learn from television and the Internet that when you're a teenager, you need to rebel. Your parents are stupid. Um, you're smarter than them. And it's it's brainwashing like this. Never. This didn't happen 400 years ago before. Like, you know, teenagers didn't say, I hate you, dad, and slam their door. I'm sure there were fights, but it wasn't. And so I followed that path. So I went to school, 
they te teach you about evolution. And I, my dad, he was almost a minister. Like he's a very, we're Presbyterian. And, and so I, I laughed at that. I thought like, how do you can't, there's no dinosaurs in the Bible, dad. How do you believe the Bible? And he would just, you know, say, well, it's, that's why it's called faith and blah, blah, blah. And so I fell away from that. And then as I got clean and I started like reconnecting with my parents and, and my, and our family aunts or whatever. And I started to realize like, my, my parents are smart. You know, all these people, I mean, think of like all our found these brilliant men and women through the ages and they believed in Christ and they believed in the Bible much smarter than me. So now am I like that? So that's really what brought me back was that like the people I hate that I know are evil are telling me they mock Christianity. They have an open season. You can make fun of Christians. You could say you want to destroy maim hurt kill christians all you want you can't do that for any other religion though why is that that's allowed it's open sea it's encouraged it's mocked freely by every celebrity blah 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 and so that's what's it's kind of like when they tell you not to think of an elephant you think of an elephant that's like kind of what i just started realizing as i kept reading like reading there's something to christianity there's something they're afraid of there's something there it's powerful and uh that's like literally, I wish it was a better, but that's what like brought me back was this realization that this is the only religion that these rules apply for, that no rules apply for, that you can, you're not going to be called an anti-Christian or whatever if you say all Christians should die, which people say all the time on the internet. No issues there, you know? Right. But if you bring up, you know, any Muslims or whatever Jews, right. you're all automatically or an anti-Semite or you're racist. You're done. Yeah. Goodbye, yep. your professional life, your everything, your bank, you'll lose it all. You'll lose it yep. all. And that's that's important because like mankind is in general rebelling against uh, the creator. And that's why we need to be saved. It's like mankind, our hearts are full of sin and uh, that sin has separated us from God. And it was only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and having your faith in him and, and that grace through your faith is what saves you. And that's not only for your sins, man. That's also reconciliation, and that's important. It's like this you're, – you're being reconciled back with your creator, your God, and we're, we've all strayed away from that. And then society promotes the straying away from that, leading so many people to hell, man. Like mm -hmm. you can – like you said, you can worship any other god, but if you worship Jesus, you're, you're a nut. Or, <laughs> it's or, true though. It's absolutely true. And it's sad, man. And it's funny that you bring up the parent, uh, the kids rebelling against the parents because that's actually a prophecy in the Bible. It says in the end times that that children will rebel against their parents. And growing up in this generation, you think it's normal. What do you mean? How is that a prophecy? That's normal. But it wasn't normal in the 1950s. That's amazing, dude. I never knew that. That is brilliant. See, the Bible always, it like every book I read that. Because a lot of the authors I read, they tend to be Christians and they it's always like they'll say something that's set that's in the Bible that's happened. It's like, dude, this book, if you just read the Bible, you would live an amazing you would have the best life ever. Like you would it tells you how to farm and it tells you all of these things that there's just so much knowledge there that there's no way um, it just adds to its validity, in my opinion, like just like what you just told me. That's mind blowing. dude. I'm going to reference that now. So I'm going to, I'll credit you though, but that's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> hey man, For God sure said it, not me, you know. <laughs>
we have a friend of the show, Matthew Miller of Maranatha Ministries, right? And so uh, our last interview, it'll be the episode released tomorrow before this one next week. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, he uh, growing up, he was allowed to read the Bible, the dictionary and the encyclopedia. That was it. And so he had actually translated the Bible from Hebrew into English himself by age 12. His son is a really good friend of mine, and the copy of uh, Enoch One that I own is Aaron J. Miller, and he started translating Enoch One uh, from the, um, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Achmim fragments, right, uh, yeah. at like age 16 or 17, and had it published by 19, and this guy's brilliant. I used to record a show with him, uh, Cosmologium Radio, When the Stones Cry Out, some older stuff uh, that we did, and we actually had him as a guest on recently to talk about his books, and you'd probably find him as an interesting guest to say the very least but you know it's uh it's crazy the man they have a heart for god and there's not uh, a question that i could go to with matthew biblically that he wouldn't be able to give me a scripture reference for generally off the top of his head right but uh you know and he's taught me the difference between like the masoretic text and the the septuagint and like what is our do we have a translation or a transliteration and because there is an actual agenda as well that is corrupting some translations right and so yes. uh, we haven't dug into that uh on the show but i know jeremy and myself have dug in that uh, a lot on our own research jeremy well, what do you oh i was gonna ask no. you can i ask you guys a question real quick yeah of course so so the one guy the ta- one tartari author who like created his name's anatoly Fermenko, and oh, yeah. so this will push me away from tartaria was was him but uh, he's the originator of the theory pretty much but so he brings up this point that the bible um when it was written in was it written it was it written in hebrew or greek first i can't remember it, it was originally written in hebrew but okay well the old testament go on his his theory was that or what he said was this the the oldest bible known to man i forget it's like 900 or something like that but in this ancient or the hebrew language of the time there were no vowels so he says that like words like uh blood could be boiled it could be all this stuff and so it was written by like divine whatever that that phrase is divine something and i just didn't know if you guys ever heard if that was there was any validity to that and the point he's making he's not pushing people away from christ but he says that because of this vowel thing um he thinks that like the bible didn't actually happen in uh modern day israel and stuff in the middle east it happened possibly in italy or or he always goes to russia he's a russian mathematician but I just I just wanted your guys is if you ever heard that that before. Yeah. Yeah. So the original Hebrew language doesn't have any vowels. And uh, this is the cool thing about, uh, you know, people are very studied in linguistics. Right. So even though there were no vowels, um, each word that they were using in Hebrew um, via its context gives its the word the definition. Right. So one word okay. can mean a couple different things, but given its context, you'll know what that word means. So, yeah, there is no vowels, but okay. we also are able to translate and transliterate via the context of in which that word was used. Got it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. And that, that also opens that, 
Yeah, that also opens up that possibility that you'll hear people say that at different points in their life, uh, a scripture spoke to them differently. They saw oh. something that they never saw before. You know, a lot of people get caught up in the, you know, trying to uh, decipher the name of God, you know, the tetragrammaton. I, I wear a hat, you know, that has the tetragrammaton. It's a super conversation starter, if nothing else. But it's that YHVH, right? And the V is actually, it looks like a W, right? It was a double vob, and that's a whole thing. I have a six. 1611 replica Bible and the U's and the V's are reversed in that book. Wow. And we call a W a W, but it's shaped like a double V. So that's a whole weird thing, right? But back to the Tetragrammaton, uh, you know, people get caught up trying to pronounce that name. And what they do is in between each of those letters, they insert a vowel. So you get some people that say like Yahweh and some people that say Yahuwah and some people that, uh. but they're all looking at that same name and i view it more like i wouldn't call i wouldn't walk up to my dad and be like hey david you know <laughs> out of respect yeah. if nothing else and i definitely fear and respect god even more than my own father so i'm not yeah. going to try to call him by his name that's an interesting conversation i have very quite often when somebody's like what's your hat say and i'm like well that's the million dollar <laughs> question oh that, yeah no that's great that was a great explanation by both of you yeah and, and another thing too is that um People tend to cast doubt on the Bible and to, you know, if you're very ignorant of the research, you might be swayed by their opposition. You know what I mean? And it's usually about translation. And the thing is, is that, dude, languages change quite a bit throughout the centuries, right? Like even English, man, like English has changed. You know, there, there was old English and all this stuff. And what we're able to do is do our best to understand a certain word in our current language. Like if you were to say doorknob in English, it's not doorknob in French, but you're literally talking about the same thing. Yeah. Right? You don't yeah. say doorknob in, in English. That's not how you say it. But you're literally describing and talking about the exact same thing. Right, right. And, uh, you know, we also have... We have so many manuscripts, dude. I think in the Masoretic text alone, there's like 2,500 ancient texts that we have that make up the Masoretic, which is the, the Hebrew, which came, you know, the Hebrew translation came 600 years after uh, the Septuagint, which is the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament. And that Greek, why it was translated into Greek is because uh, the, the culture at that time was was moving into the Greek language, right? Yeah. So you, you got 70 Jewish priests or whatever that um, translated the original Hebrew that they had had at that time into Greek for the common man. And, you know, over time, the original Hebrew seems to have been lost. But what we can do is take the Septuagint and the Masoretic and compare all the translation or all the, the, the manuscripts that we have and come to the basic conclusion of how something should be translated. Brilliant. It's like exactly. taking all the data and evidence and then coming up with that that conclusion. You know what I mean? Damn, you sold me, dude. You used words I've never heard before. So that sounds that sounds perfect, dude. I love it. I love it. That gave me because that I struggle with that in that book. So and here's another question for you guys. Um, so do you guys know who Adam Green is? He does uh, no more news. So he's like uh, he's on an ADL watch list and stuff. So you can guess where I'm going with what he does. But so he's <laughs> I think he used to be a Christian and maybe like his his hatred of uh, that certain religion 
like got the best of him. But so he says this, his theory, and I've seen, book. I have a book, I'm like scared to read it, but he says that Christianity and Jesus was a creation of basically, he says this other religion, you know, who I'm, I'm referencing or the, the, the Roman empire did it. And I just oh. didn't know if you guys ever heard this theory, if you've ever explored it and how to, yeah. So that was my, my question. Yeah, uh, so definitely was not created by the Roman Empire. Okay, like uh, before the Roman Empire even existed, Isaiah prophesied the the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, 700 years before he ever walked the earth. And we have all these Old Testament prophecies that mathematically would be impossible to fulfill through one person. And that person who fulfilled all those, which are all documented, is Jesus Christ, right? Wow, okay. Yeah, and we have references outside of the Bible by Roman historians such as Josephus, right, who does um, verify who Jesus Christ was, his brothers, even his brothers, right? So even Joseph, um, and he describes the followers of Christ and what happened to Christ, his crucifixion, uh, how he died at the hands of uh, Pontius Pilate, all these things. We have tons of outside, outside of biblical sources, that were from the first century all the way to, you know, the third century, fourth century, fifth century of the validity of Jesus Christ, who he is, who he says he was, uh, the life that he lived. You know, back in that day, it wasn't even a question who Jesus was or whether he was real or not real. It was mm-hmm. everybody knew that that guy was real. Wow. Now, Great, their dude. question, their their skepticism is, well, is he really the son of God? Okay. Right? But then you get into uh, I forgot his name is something Herbermas. He's like the number one scholar. He's wrote in like an 1800 page book or something, something crazy. It's such a <laughs> it's a big number, but he's the world's number one historian of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and everything hinges on his resurrection. If he didn't, if he was not resurrected, then our faith is in vain, just like Paul says, right? But we have scholars who who gather all the data and the evidence from the ancient times, from the from the first century onwards, right, of Christ's resurrection and cru- crucifixion and resurrection and prove that he is who he says he is and that he did rise from the dead. And if it was a Roman thing, then I have to ask you, why was it that Jesus is the only one, like like Christianity was outlawed in in uh in rome but you could you could worship like today right you could worship any other pagan god but you could not worship jesus christ i do that was a beautiful beautiful answer because i that like he's so and i don't believe his theory is that the other group did this to cause this like dichotomy and this fighting that but i just that doesn't make any sense to me because that's too long of a game plan for two thousand years to say we're going to create a fake religion um to battle us in the end times or whatever, but the Roman one concern because I, yeah, so that was a beautiful, I never knew that about Isaiah and awesome. I love it. Which explains why they would work so hard to dilute that, right? And to uh, to make that story a target. I mean, many times in scripture we see, does thou believe? Does thou believe? That's what it all hangs on. It doesn't mean because I call him Jesus and someone else calls him Yeshua and and all the things don't that doesn't hang on there. But like Jeremy said, everything hangs on that crucifixion and resurrection makes him who he says he was, which makes him able to do what he says he will do. And so, yeah, all our faith hangs on that alone. And you really start to see why uh, Christianity would become such a target, because if you remove that belief right from the people, then that's where we begin to perish. Ah, dude, you guys are 
blowing my mind. I feel like I should, you should be on my show. <laughs> well, we'd love to come share all this with your listeners, brother. We so, will do uh, that for sure. We'll we'll do think that for about sure. that one day. I know we're at that point where uh, I think we've kept you to our limit, you know, but I definitely <laughs> want to do this again. It's been so awesome having you on and having this discussion. Amen. I love getting to see and have discussions about the stuff that you're not covering on your yes. show, you know, and this is the important stuff. This is the the meat compared to the milk, right? We we dabble oh. into these conspiracy ideas to draw people closer to him. I was the one that he left the 99 to find. So I'm trying to help him gather up some more. You guys, I don't, is this, are you guys like just using lines from, from the Bible or you guys got all these poetic statements? A lot of it. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> a lot of it's on we, the Bible, bro. Yeah. This is the truth. And then, like I said, we let the spirit lead the conversation. So I think often God speaks to me through me, right? So some of this may have been for me, Jack, not just for you, or it might be for that listener out there that's really uh, had th that same question as you did. And I think that's what I said in one of our exchanges, Jack, is there's going to be a lot of people that are at the point you're at with the questions that you have and we're blessed to be able to be ready with an answer for where our hope comes wow. from amazing dude you guys rock yeah we're definitely gonna you'll have to come on my show soon because we got I have more questions to ask you too so i definitely sure um also well, should we give him the file to this in case he just just for an episode yeah. that he could have for sure if you want to share this as soon as i'm done editing i'll send you the file and you can share it anywhere you want to share Perfect. it Jack. awesome and uh, did awesome. you want to give everybody a quick rundown again where to find you oh and yeah then we'll just close out yeah real simple at kojak that's c-o-j-a-c conspiracy or just a coincidence uh, at kojak podcast and uh, you can find me on all the the socials that way so right on you know i think that it'd be important for us to uh bring us out of here and uh you know, I just before we do that, though, I want to say thank you for coming on, man. Uh, I do. I love your show. I appreciate your work. I, I'm hoping that whether we go on your show or you come back on here or both, man, that we can continue to sharpen each other and, I love um, it, and dude. grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I think it's important because I know that your audience is definitely more conspiratorial and uh, which is great because we are, too. We're just we, we're doing it from from a biblical perspective. And right. I just want everybody to know, in case you put this on your show, that like um, I was once a cons conspiratorial, of course, as I told my testimony earlier. Um, but that missing piece, that missing piece is Jesus. It is it is the Bible. It is the word of God. And none of this stuff makes any sense of why people are doing what we what they're doing, the orchestration of the new world order or all these things that are happening all around us, it does not make any sense without a biblical perspective. You're just pulling at strings until you come to this point where you're just like, we're screwed. Like there's no hope. You know what I mean? There's nothing you can do, but our hope is in Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, we know how it ends and they may be doing the great reset now, right? That's their new goal that mm -hmm. the, the new world order, this new term, the great reset, that's their main goal. But I'm telling you, it's only going to last for a short while. They, they may achieve some of these things, and they definitely it's prophesied. The New World Order is prophesied in the Bible, but it's only going to last for a short while. And and when Christ returns, he's going to burn it all up, and he's going to establish the greatest reset, man. The okay. greatest reset the world has ever seen. On a white horse. Amen. That's what I've been told. On a white oh, horse. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's uh let's get Jack back to his family. I'll close this in prayer and we'll we'll just uh lock in another date soon, Jack, to do this again, whichever it, way we yes, spin it. So. For sure. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to come together. Where two or three are gathered, there you will be in the midst with us as well. So we count on you to show up and show out, and that's what you do. 
Lord, we thank you for the brethren. We're always adding new brothers, and we are blessed to know Jack. I thank you for this opportunity to share all of this information with him and his listeners. And so I want to help gather up some more. So help us do that with this show and everything that we do. Bless us in all our endeavors together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Dude, you guys are amazing. You're definitely, I don't just say that, believe me, I don't say that to everyone. So we're, you'll definitely have to, you guys are, but this time is usually rough for, for Jeremy, right? You're on the West Coast? Uh, mountain time. Oh, mountain West time. Coast. Yep. Yep, well, I'm we'll, Pacific Northwest. But oh, yeah, you're he's Pacific. Okay. Okay. Well, so we'll have to figure out, do you, when do you guys normally record again? You know, it's a bouncing number. It's a, it's always, we try to do like Wednesdays and Saturdays at one point. Okay. We're doing like early morning stuff. We're down to do some evening stuff. Just All we right. can make it work in a way that doesn't interfere with your other uh, yeah, broadcast. No, so I usually do like my show every week on Wednesday at 8.30. So if that time might work, like not this, maybe like next week or two weeks, I'd love yeah. to have you on and I'll prepare all my biblical questions. And uh, yeah. Dude, I'm excited. Jeremy, does that yep. sound like it might work for you a Wednesday evening, 5.30 my time, 8.30 yeah. EST. Yep. Yeah, I work third shift, so I mean, six thirty. that's 6.30 my time, and that's that's, that's awesome. Perfect. That works oh, out great. Love it, dude. Yeah, because I really, you guys really blew me. You're very good, so we'll, we'll definitely set this up soon. Man, we've been doing it. I, think, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Oh, dude, anytime. So thanks, guys. We'll talk soon for sure to come on my show. And uh, God bless. We'll, we'll talk soon. Amen. God bless, brother. Much love. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.